The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello and welcome to our sparring session. In our sparring sessions, we invite our guests to showcase their skills in a realistic scenario. In these sessions, don't look at what I do. Look at what our guest does and learn from their style. In some sessions, I'm pretty easy to deal with, but usually my goal in these conversations is to become the embodiment of your worst nightmare, someone who's unnaturally persistent, unnecessarily difficult, and at times a little bit socially awkward. I want these conversations to be more difficult than it would be in real life, so when you encounter these types of situations, you'll know exactly how to handle it. We do the exact same things in our trainings and in our one-on-one coaching sessions with clients. I strongly recommend listening to the accompanying episode with our guest before listening to the sparring session. That'll give you a little bit more context and help you to develop a better understanding for the scenario. So without further ado, let's jump into this sparring session. In this session, I'm playing the role of a hard-charging CEO who's difficult to work with. I was told by my team that I should work with Chris, but I'm very, very skeptical. So Chris's goal in this conversation is to create a connection, get a better understanding of my perspective, and subtly persuade me to give coaching a chance. Hi, Chris, is it? Yeah. Nice to How meet you. Ah, uh, you know, same old, same old. I'm a busy man. I've been growing this company for about seven years. But there's some people who can't really keep up with my pace, and they're kind of getting all up in their feelings. So they reached out to you to talk to me, and here we are. So I don't know what we're doing, but I'm checking boxes, and uh, let's just get to it. Great. Well, I'm really glad to spend a little time with you today, and I understand. I feel a little weird when you're being invited to work with a coach. So why don't we just start with a little bit of sort of understanding a little bit more about what your perspective is of why we're talking. So what is your understanding about why we're working together? I am one of the co-founders and I manage a team of about seven developers here in Silicon Valley. And we are hard charging. We're moving forward. We're constantly growing. We grow at a rate of probably about 15 to 20% every year. So we're winning. So I don't really see the problem. Some people can't keep up with the culture and it's not for everybody. It's pretty fast moving. So there's a decent amount of turnover. But as long as we hit our numbers, I'm really okay with that. If people can't keep up, that's not my problem because they can be replaced. And that's been working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it. And it's interesting. You know, I work with quite a few folks who are founders of their own business. And this is not an uncommon challenge that Mm -hmm. folks like you face. Founders have a very unique way of thinking about their business because you're so invested, right? You're an owner, you're a founder, it's your vision, it's your purpose on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. And And I have slow people that are getting in the way. And then then people look at me like I'm the bad guy when, when I try to keep them in line and so we can continue driving through with this vision. I don't see the need to coddle people when they're slowing down progress. Yeah, I can see how you have that perspective. And I think, you know, one of the things I tell my founder clients all the time is you are great at hustle and grind, yeah? Absolutely. And your hustle and your grind got you to where you are, which is amazing. But what we have to start to recognize as we grow an organization and we start to build the scaffolding that's going to help us replicate success is that we can't hustle people. What do you mean? The reasons why your employees work are different than the reasons for why you hire them. Hmm. I didn't think about that. 
just let that set in for a minute. And so this is a normal evolution for you as you grow in your foundership, if you will, because your pace, your style, your focus, your commitment, your drive, you don't have to lose any of that. Wait, so so it sounds like, and you, you claim that you've worked with these founders, but what you're saying is kind of contrary to everything that the startup community seems to be based on, because I'm trying so hard to move forward and these people are slowing down, but it seems like you want me to slow down, but at the same time, not lose my edge. Those things seem antithetical. Yeah. Well, I can understand why you would think that in order to grow and scale your business, you're going to have to start to think like a leader, not like a founder. And there's a difference because you're eventually going to have to build an organization where people are engaged. People want to stay. People want to work hard. And here's the thing. I don't disagree with you, Kwame, that there's people on your team that don't fit your culture model. I don't disagree with that. I think we're on the same page there. But I do think where your opportunity is, is looking at sort of the trends. And we can say that, okay, well, there's a reasonable amount of people that we would hire that aren't going to be able to perform. But if you're starting to get into a little bit more of there's more than a few people that aren't performing to your expectation and you're getting an invitation to work with a coach, then I think it's super important if you want to lead a really successful, long-term, highly performing organization, it's a great opportunity for you as a leader to take a look at some of your behaviors, some of your ways of engaging and decide if now's a great time to reevaluate what you have been doing and make some tweaks to it, right? There's that famous quote, what got you here won't get you there. Mm-hmm. And you might be at that tipping point from a leadership perspective that it's time to sort of look at that. Doesn't mean you aren't going to hold people accountable. It doesn't mean that production needs to go down. It doesn't mean that you're giving up on success. It's the opposite of that. Mm. Are you willing to look at it that way or? Yeah, I mean, and you're, it makes sense, especially when you put it in those terms where it might run against my ultimate goals, where I want to get better and, and move the business forward. And if I don't change, that might not happen. So I, I, I am willing to explore yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, the opposite is true from my perspective. I would want you to, if you're 15 or 20%, let's get that higher. But let's get that with people who are stoked to show up and work for you every day. Right. Because if they're excited to show up and they feel good about showing up and they feel motivated to work for you, they will work harder. If they feel like they are in fear mode, they are not meeting your expectations and never can, they will work less. That makes sense. And it takes a long time to replace a person. I know you know the numbers behind that. So every time you have to go out and find a new body to put in a seat, you are losing time, you're losing speed, and you're losing productivity. So And this is not uncommon. So I really want to reassure you that your challenge is not unique. And especially in the founder community, because you didn't go into this to run and lead an organization. You went into this to get your product, to make the kind of money that you're making, to serve the population you're serving. We all hit that tipping point where we can't just be the drivers of that. We have to be able to bring an entire organization with us. And that means us, we're the instrument that makes that happen. So we have to evaluate our own behaviors to get us there. Right. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, 
TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors. I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. And scene. That was good. That was very good. Very, very good. Uh, there, I you took some good. notes. Thank now you. I have a client just like you. <laughs> ah, perfect. Well, cool. Let me uh, hit some highlights and then let's chat about it. I, I like how it was clear that you were not, you were going out of your way to make sure that you weren't countering me directly. You were gently reorienting me, um, which was good. So it, it made it harder for me to push back directly because you weren't pushing back directly. You were asking questions that got me to think differently. And mm-hmm. you weren't um, really attacking me as a person, which is good. And I think that's a lot of times the, the mistake people make. And that's what happens when you bring your opinions into it. Um, You were offering suggestions that dealt with mindset. So, for example, uh, saying uh, leader versus founder, Um, Mm -hmm. the work, making sure that you don't lose your edge, because that was one of my concerns, saying, no, you keep your edge, but you just think about it differently. And it was you will you created a a kind of conversational atmosphere where I wasn't um, put in a situation where I thought that I needed to fundamentally change who I was. I just needed yeah. to bring different aspects of myself to the fore at different times in order to get more yeah. of what I want, which is more business growth, more out of my employees. Yeah. And you showed me a way that I could do that while still mm-hmm. being fundamentally me and staying true to my business uh, sensibilities. So that was really good. 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 I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Any any um any feedback or any com- comments you'd like to make on on what your mindset was going into it and some strategies you wanted to employ? Well, I think what's super interesting for everybody to know, like I I coach folks like that a lot, and um some aren't as combated, some are more like despondent, like helpless, like ugh, right, sort of overwhelmed by it. But in either case. I think it's, and you know this because you do the mediation work, right? Like it's normal when someone is behaving like you were to have sort of your sympathetic response kick in and be want and like watch how you want to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think, cause I think a lot of people um, think that that doesn't happen. And I want people to know that I, I get on the phone sometimes with, with clients and I have to totally manage my own thinking because I know like as soon as you started, right? I'm like, okay, this has nothing to do with me. This is a man who is failing and he has been given that feedback and he's justifying that failure as someone else's problem. This has yeah. nothing to do with me. This is nothing to do with me. I can be helpful and he can decide if he wants my help or not. But whether he chooses to work with me or not has nothing to do with me. And I, but I have to do that work to be effective and present with you. And, um, and I think that's super important in the work that I know that you focus on in your podcast. And then also just for other coaches who might be listening, like it's okay for you to have that response in your brain and think, Oh, this is uncomfortable. 
I don't like how he's talking. I don't like that he doesn't see the value he can get from me right away. And I can work myself back out of that and realize I'm completely able to be helpful. It's just going to be up to him if he wants to work through it. And that's why I asked you, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to see it that way? Mm-hmm. Like, are you willing? Because because if you're not, and you know, it wouldn't be my first time I'd ask. I'd ask a few more times if I got a no. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, a client who presents just like you did is suffering. He's frustrated. He has these people who aren't doing their job. He's annoyed. And he thinks they're the barrier. And he, and he has no clue that it's him. Right. And I think about, and I think about him 10 years from now, if I don't do my job well, like if I don't show up and do everything I can, he's going to lose his business and he won't know why he'll be Steve jobs who, who got his job, his company taken away from him. Right. Mm. Right. No, that's, that's exactly right. And I think, uh, there are two points I want to make to that. Um, I think it's really important for us to understand what our job is in these difficult conversations. And um, one of the things that I try to do with the show and, and with the TED Talk I did was try and take pressure off of people because the, the pressure has a negative impact on performance. And I think the pressure comes from um, beliefs that are not really uh, well-founded. So in our in these conversations, our job is not to convince somebody is not to persuade them our job is to put ourselves in the best position for success and that's it because in this in these conversations there is it takes two to tango if i would just sit there and say no 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 there's literally nothing you can do about that even though you performed the very best that you could so so focus on your performance and, and understand what you can control and what you can't control and and that's one thing and the other thing um one of the things I think about uh, that helps me when I'm dealing with somebody who's attacking or being incredibly difficult or is frustrating me to no end, um, you mentioned that you think about them 10 years down the line and uh, they, they've lost their job. The way that I think about it is that uh, there's certain human things that bring us all together. Uh, and one of the things is we were all babies at one time. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think about this person who is just railing at me. I think of them as a baby and I think about my my son and so if he is I, he might freak out and have a little tantrum and go throw himself on the floor because he's two and I say Kai what's wrong and he's trying to do something and, but he doesn't have the dexterity to do it and he says my hands are too little and so it's like <laughs> you know it's like oh that's cute and and so I think about their childhood and what kind of life experiences might have led them to see the world th- yeah. in this way and it makes me feel a lot of empathy toward yeah. them and it humanizes them so what oh, might present as incredibly intimidating when I think about them as the version of themselves that created this monster that I see right now it, it helps me to um, look at them with a little bit more empathy and a little bit more warmth and that keeps my mind in the right place when I'm in these, these conversations versus combative which is the natural response yeah that's just brilliant I love it yeah. So think of everybody as babies, everybody. Profound babies. wisdom. <laughs> but I, I think you should put a caveat and tell people, and don't tell them that. Don't, don't yes. Say, oh, I'm thinking about you as a baby. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Don't no, do that no, part. no. No, that might no. be a little antagonizing. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. This was really great. 
For sure. I had a great time. I'm so grateful that you, uh, that Peter from Denmark connected us. So thank you, Peter. <laughs>